Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You're welcome. You know, I want to start off very, very quickly with a question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 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 it's kind of a specific podcast question. Uh, yesterday, I was on uh, NPR's All Things Considered to talk about the Cleveland uh, ridiculous 20, now 21 game winning streak. Uh, which we will discuss a little bit later in the show. Uh, but anyway, I was on there, which was nice. It was great to see baseball kind of get, you know, a little bit of uh, of love in the in the NPR, you know, non-sports community. It was great and all that. Did the show. Uh, somebody then tweeted to me, and you maybe, but but definitely to me, uh, saying this, and, and this is the proposition I have for you. His, his thought is that uh, NPR's All Things Considered is exactly the opposite of the podcast. That we are, we are, we are truly a diametric opposite. Wait, this is a, this is an incredible theory. I love this theory. I mean, let's break it down right away. They are all things considered. We are one thing considered for all intents and purposes. I mean, we we dabble in like occasional ancillary nonsense, but yes. mostly it's baseball. Right. Second of all, they're an incredibly professional and well-run organization. Exactly. They're like they're really good at what they do. They 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 plan things really carefully. They execute the show to perfection every single day. We do none of those things. I mean, none this is a great way. this is a great thing. I love this theory. I, it's I, the, it's the inverse of the podcast. It's negative one over the concept of the podcast. I think that's right. I think yeah. it is. It, it's and that is the mathematical equation right there. Negative one uh, over the podcast. I that's think right. That's one hundred percent right. All right I well, good. I, I'm glad to see uh, see you uh, agree with that. All right. So we we start off as we always do. By always, I mean like the last two of them, um, mm-hmm. with our Tommy Fam update. That's right. We are huge. We are huge fams. We're fams, and uh, and we have music for the Tommy Fam update. Now I don't want to oversell this. You sent this to me earlier today. It was written uh, for us by a listener of the David, podcast, David Von Campen, uh, David a Von composer Campen. from Nebraska, sent in this uh, this Tommy Fam musical update. Now I don't want to overhype this. Okay. But I believe it is the single greatest piece of music ever composed and recorded in America. I, and you know I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. So let's hear it. It's the Tommy Fam update. Now that's the greatest song ever. I don't know what's... I mean, okay. Um, let's see what's better than that that's ever been recorded in America. In America. Um, I mean, you would say Born to Run, Born probably. To run. Yeah, yeah, I would. Think I so. would say like, um, I'd say there are some like, uh, I'd say Hamilton. Let's say Hamilton. Hamilton Hamilton's better, sure. Hamilton's but it's, Johnny, it's Johnny good. the list of songs or pieces of music that are better than that is very small. You can count them on one hand. One hand, I I, I think we would agree. David von Campen, you're a genius. Uh, thank you for the music. What is our Tommy Fam update? Where where are we? So basically, uh, and, and as everyone knows, and uh, we are ch- uh, following closely Tommy Pham's quest to have a 300, 400, 500 season. 300 batting average. Do you think he four, knows that know. he's on this quest? Does he know? No, he has no idea. Oh, I, oh, does he know that he... I thought you were asking, does he know that we are tracking oh, him? Oh, no, 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 no. Does he know that he's on this quest, this 300, 400? No, 
I doubt it. I mean, unless he's like a big a big sabermetrics guy, which I kind of doubt. But uh, um, maybe some, I don't know, maybe someone pointed out to him. I doubt it. I, I highly doubt it. My guess is, if anything, he's thinking about whether he's going to hit 300. That's probably, that would be the say. Or whether he's going to hit 20 home runs. He has 19 right now. But as of today, up to the minute update, uh, which is totally worthless because this won't be posted for many more minutes <laughs> from now. Up to the minute update, Tommy Pham tonight is so far as 0 for 1 uh, with a walk. He is at uh, 304, 407 OBP, and 512 slugging. So oh, he, if the season ended today, he's got it. He In fact, he's given himself a little cushion. He's got, he's got f- basically five points of batting average, six or seven of OBP, and 12 of slugging. He has a tiny little cushion here uh, heading into the final, whatever it is, 18 games of the season. It's, it's staggering. He, look, I think he's going to do it. We've we've said this. I, I I feel I feel very very optimistic and positive based on a lot of sabermetric study of him. Mm-hmm. Right, that's I mean, right. I, you know, studied him, studied the pitchers he's going to face. You know, the, we've broken down his swing. His we've swing. we've looked at the we've looked at the ballparks he's playing in for his right. last eighteen games and how right. they're tailored to his like uh, sc- his hit scatter plot. And and I think we can we can say uh, we think he's going to do it. I mean, we can project. Right now point. we can project. That's right. We're right now we're projecting that there's a 71 percent chance that Tommy Pham has a 300, 400, 500 Which season. Which we feel good about. We feel good. I feel, good, very good. I feel very solid with that prediction. Yeah. By the way, one other thing about Tommy Pham, uh, just purely from a uh, numbers uh, perspective, uh, he has 19 stolen bases. I mean, there's like a power speed thing going with Tommy Pham. He's going to be a 2020 guy in all likelihood. He's got one more homer and one more stolen base in him, I would guess. And he also has 18 doubles, so he could be the the famed, always discussed 2020 guy of a guy who has 20 doubles, 20 homers, and 20 uh, uh, stolen bases. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I've never heard that, but... You've, you've never heard that? It's a very famous thing in baseball, 2020 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but 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 uh, you know what we're saying is that you know Tommy Fam is having a fantastic. He's a he's we're famness. I mean we're, we're huge famness. And by the way, it should be noted uh, the Cardinals are two games out of a playoff spot. Like the this is the this the the Central is anything but wrapped up right yes, now. The the right. Cubs are I believe the Cubs have a two game lead, right? So the uh, and and right now they're tied with the Mets and the Cardinals are down one nothing to the Reds in the third. But this is like you know there's there's still a couple of races. The AL East race is going to go down to the last week in all likelihood. The NL Central race. Some of these races have been out. Even the Dodgers losing a hundred games in a row. They've still got the West wrapped up. But there are two really good races left. The AL East and the NL Central are still really good. And it's gonna we're gonna get some exciting September baseball. I'm very excited about that. I just can't believe the Cubs. It just doesn't matter how many times you say, hey, they got it together. They never have it together. No. Not this year. What a weird year. This is a really weird year. I mean, certain things have gone exactly the way we thought, right? And this is probably, by the way, preface this by saying, this is probably true of every year. But certain things have gone exactly the way we predicted. The Indians, it took a little while, but it's basically gone the way we thought. The Nationals has basically gone the way we thought. Right. The Dodgers has basically gone with the way we thought, even though the the details of how it's gone are weird. Uh, the Red Sox has more or less gone the way we thought, although they've they're hitting way worse and their way defense worse. is way better, which is but they're ending up in the same, same spot. place we thought they'd be. But the Cubs, what is going on? The Cubs has not gone that way at all. The, nobody predicted this out of the Diamondbacks, you know, winning 13, 14 straight games, whatever it was. It's been a very weird, odd year, and who and 
I think I believe we did talk about the Twins being a sort of sleeper team, but I don't think anybody predicted the Twins would be in wild card contention this late in the year. Like, no. it's it's what makes baseball great. It is. No, I mean it really is. I I, I just think when you look at the best teams, to me, like there are whatever six teams in baseball that are, in my view, uh, you know, a notch better than everybody else. And then you know, among those six teams. It's it's you know it's questionable who's who's the best of those six whatever but I always thought Boston Cleveland Houston made it very clear early in the year sure. even if you were you know wondering how about them coming into the year early in the year they they showed they had enough pitching they're they're one of the six Washington the Dodgers and the Cubs and of those six five are playing more or less how you thought they were going to play and the Cubs have at times played that way and look they're 12 games over 500 i mean they're not they're not you know in the tank or anything but they just can't quite get it together it's really weird it's really yeah, strange it is they should be so much better and they they like the red Sox, are having a bunch of guys just not hit just flat not hit like they they i mean their pitching has also been you know below what it was last year but they just have both both the cubs and the red Sox have these guys who should have 850 ops's in the like 720 range and it's uh, you know it's as a red sox fan it's infuriating yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like if you were a cub if you're a cub fan it's infuriating but you have last year to always uh, make you feel better right no that's right and and look once they get in the playoffs you and i both know it doesn't matter none, none of this stuff matters doesn't right? matter and frankly do you want to see that team in the playoffs i don't no, if i'm no. if i'm the nationals if even if i'm the dodgers i really don't want to see that team like that has that you know there was that Yankee team that uh, one year in their run I think it might have been the 2000 team maybe it's the I can't remember I think it might have been the 2000 team where like they lost something like 12 of their last 15 do you remember that right. they lost like they went up they were just they they ended up with like 87 wins and they won the east because everybody else was terrible and then they just steamrolled everybody in the playoffs and won the series again for the fourth time That's right. but it, the cubs do have a little bit of that feeling to me i don't know why it's just anecdotal i guess but they have the feeling of like a sleeping giant that like they might that they might wake up and uh, and be a real force in the playoffs i i want no part of them i mean that's it just you, you know, there's something also about them and, and Cleveland, and let's talk about Cleveland uh, here, but there's something about both of them being in the World Series, playing in that incredible World Series and so emotional and, and, and such a great series, that the season starts, a new season, and it's sort of like, I, you know, well, we got to go through all of this again just to get back to where we were. Right. And I thought both of them played with, you know, like kind of in a lull. They were just... You know, they weren't bad. Neither one was bad. But I think Cleveland in June was just two or three games over 500. The Cubs have, you know, bounced up and down all all year. And it just felt like once they get in the playoffs, like, okay, yeah, let's let's start now. You know, let's all all that matters is us getting to the play. Kind of an NBA. I was going to say, uh, it's like the NBA teams. Yeah, yeah. like it's like once after the All-Star break, they're like, all right, we'll start paying attention now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know if you can do that in baseball, but but it feels like that's sort of what they were. So that's why I think the Cubs, uh, even though they've I've I've been one of those people who every time they win two in a row, like okay, all right, finally the Cubs are back, and they're not, they're not back. They've they've <laughs> just been mediocre, really. And uh, uh, but I still think they're a, a big big time danger in the playoffs. Rip to left, Chisinau coming on, slides he made the catch, ball game. Mark it down, folks. History 
On September 13th of 2017, the Cleveland Indians have set a new American League record, winning their 21st consecutive ball game. It's impossible. It's impossible to win 21 baseball games in a row in the major leagues. It's just, it's, it's, it's impossible. And the thing that, that blows my mind, and I've written about this three or four times now, but I can't, I still can't get my arms around it, is they haven't just won 21 games in a row. They've won every game, like, easily. They have, they have not been challenged in any game in this streak. They have been behind four innings the entire streak. That's out of 189 innings. They have trailed at the end of four innings. And <laughs> even that... As I, as I put in the piece, even that's not 100% true because uh, twice in New York and in Chicago, they fell behind. Uh, they, were, they were there, so the, the home team batted, and the Yankees took a one-run lead. The White Sox took a one-run lead. The Indians tied it with their next at-bat. Like, like they, were, they were leading for like nine minutes. Uh, before the before Cleveland tied it and then took the lead and then and then swept so so really the entire streak is really they've been behind for a whole inning for like a full inning once in this entire <laughs> crazy streak I mean it's uh. insane and and all the numbers and them hitting forty one home runs and allowing thirty five runs and the fact that they're slugging five fifty six as a team. I mean, that's Frank Thomas's slugging percentage as a team during this streak. It's nuts. Have you ever seen anything remotely like this? No, of course not. And no. as you you wrote a piece about it, and you pointed out, this is it's it's so much more dominant than any of the yes. other streaks that are like this. It's way more dominant than the A's streak of a few years ago, as chronicled in uh, the movie and book Moneyball, Um, in part because, you know, that A's streak, and this is what I remember from that A's streak, it seemed like they were winning every game in the ninth inning. Like they had their last, weren't their last three victories in that streak walk-offs? Yeah, and so their their streak had more of a sense of like magic to it. Like it was, it felt more like they were, there was like pixie dust sprinkled all over that uh, disgusting pit of a stadium that they play in. Whereas the Indians are just just suffocating people. They're just like, they seem to be, you know, it's the exact opposite of what the Dodgers are uh, doing, which is to say, when your team is losing eight, nine, ten games in a row, every, when you, you you get to the game, the game starts, you blink and it's 4 nothing. You're losing 4 nothing. Like, it just, it's what happens when you're going that way. When the Red Sox collapsed in 2011 during the famous uh, fried chicken and beer or whatever it was that season, that's what was happening as they collapsed. It was like you would just I would turn on the game and it would be the top of the second and they'd be down five to one or five nothing. You, it was like you and you was like you kept expecting there to be one pitcher who would get you out of the first inning without giving up a run. It just never happened. Like Beckett went out, got shelled. Lester went out, got shelled. These guys just and it's what's happened with the Dodgers too. And the Indians are the exact opposite of that. Every like today in the game today, Jay Bruce had a three-run homer in the bottom of the first inning after they had gone down one nothing, and it was like, yeah, we're not going to stand for that. You think we're going to be behind at the end of this inning? That'd be crazy. They just seem so invincible. And Lindor, like Lind- we've talked about Lindor, he's one of our favorite players. He's part of the funnest player bracket, which we'll get to later. 
Lindor has 30 home runs this year. He's a shortstop. He's a shortstop. He's a shortstop who has 30 home runs and is one of the best fielding shortstops in the game. And it's like all these guys, it's like they were just lying dormant for a really long time, and then they all woke up at the exact same moment and decided to rip off 21 straight wins. And people kept saying, when's this going to end? I, when, when would you bet? Look at their schedule and tell me when they're going to lose. Obviously, they could lose tomorrow. It, it happens all the time in baseball, but it's now gotten to the point where they seem like they will never lose again. Well, that's right. I mean, here's the thing that I that strikes me. Every time something cool like this happens, so it's a long hitting streak, a long win streak, even a long losing streak, whatever it is, you'll you'll like start checking in. And when you check in, like, oh, it's a third inning, nothing's happened, or or they're down a run, oh, can they come back, or or you know, always oh, zero for two. They're always up when you check in. Like you check in, oh, second, oh, they're up four one. It's the second inning. They're always up, and that's because the first two innings they've outscored their opponents. I, I put this thing fifty nine to ten during this stream. <laughs> in the first two innings, they're averaging almost three runs in the first two innings during yeah. this streak. I mean, they're just like, oh, we're not even, we're not playing. I mean, this is, there's no, and of course they've thrown seven shutouts during this streak, which as I mentioned is more than like seven teams all year have, have yeah. thrown. They, they, they have so many starting pitchers who have like oh. 15 or 16 wins. Like they have, it's like the, it's getting into the, Late sixties, early seventies Orioles. Like it's like every one of their pitchers is gonna win is gonna win twenty games because they never lose. And and their pitchers are going, you know, seven and two thirds and giving up one run and four hits every single time it's out. Amazing. It's it's absurd. And uh, it's really like it's so fun. I hope I really hope I, I it carries over like uh, into the postseason. It would be really fun to watch this team just golden state warriors it up in the postseason for a while before i mean ultimately obviously you want a competitive world series you wanted indians dodgers or indians nationals series where they you know where they these two titans collide and you get what you got last year like a seven game thing but i kind of want i want to see them roll i want to see this team roll because they're so fun to watch but you and i both know it, they don't have to roll at all. They could lose the first round. I mean, that's that's yeah. baseball. I mean, this, that's what's so crazy. They asked me on 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 NPR. Um, they said, "Oh, well, what does this mean? I mean, does this put them in in great position in the playoffs?" And I'm like, Man, "They get home field. I mean, they, you know what I mean? I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. there's no there is nothing that really crosses over. I mean, obviously, it's nice to have this. You know, to know you can play at this impossibly high level and. And and look, they've got great players, and they're doing it without Andrew Miller, without uh, Michael Brantley, without you know a couple of guys. So I mean, yeah, they go in fully confident. But I mean, you, you tell me, there's not a team they're going to play the wild card team now, which is amazing. Uh, I mean, assuming I mean obviously it can still switch, but right now they have the number one seed. They passed the Astros, which is insane. Um, so they played the number one seed. You're telling me the Yankees or couldn't come in and beat them? Of course they could. I mean, so that's that's where it gets really strange. This is all so wonderful, and yet, like the the slate is is absolutely blank. And actually, uh, David Schoenfeld of ESPN sent us a Twitter question along those lines, which I will uh, which which we'll get to uh, in a little bit. Um, you mentioned well, you you mentioned the Dodgers first of all. Um, that's every bit as weird as this Cleveland thing, right? <laughs> it might be weirder. It might be weirder. I I just, what happened? You're there. What happened? 
It's very hard to tell. I mean, they had a couple. They had a couple guys go down with injuries. You know, they lost Bellinger for a while. Um, they lost. They obviously had lost Kershaw for a while. Although when they first lost Kershaw, they were they playing were fine. They yeah, were exactly. ever. They were cruising. I I honestly think, and this is like a, it sounds like a cop out answer. I honestly think that it's a fluke, and I don't mean it's a total fluke. Like it's they've gotten. They've it's all bad luck. I just think they got they were incredibly lucky. They were a very very lucky team yes. for a long time in the way in which they bunched hits together at crucial moments. They had a bunch of walk-offs. They seemed to have a different hero every night. They'd call someone up from the minors and that guy would have a game-winning hit in the 14th inning of a game. They were just everything was sort of going their way in the, in the way that these things sometimes do with these like team of destiny kind of situations. And it and like watching them play like they just kind of got beat up like they they faced a bunch of hot teams that's the other thing in the in this like 15 out of 16 losses they faced the diamondbacks six times and the diamondbacks were incre- the diamondbacks were every bit as hot as the indians yes, were that's right. and the diamondbacks just tore through them and so there's six wins right there six losses for the dodgers right there they also faced the rockies who were playing pretty well and the rockies are a really good team yes. and the rockies have good hitters and like look is it is it like you know the craziest thing in the world that Nolan Arenado hit a three-run homer off you and like no it's no, not it's no. and I mean they the additionally though and you have to say like this is where it gets suspect is they dropped an entire series to the Padres like right. they they've been be- they've also been beaten by terrible teams um, although it then should further be noted that the Padres then went on and played a bunch of other teams really tough after they left uh, the series with the Dodgers. So I don't, I, I think it's like, it's hard not to want to panic. Um, yeah. if you're a Dodger fan and as my son is my jerk son who betrayed me is a Dodger fan. And he's like, it got so bad that last night he went to sleep before the end of the game. Cause he's nine. And I told him I would write on, but the, there's like a wipe off board that we write, you know, like yes. remember to bring down your socks kind of thing on his wipe off board. And I was like, I will come in and I will write the winner of the game. And I like he woke up this morning. The first thing he did was check the check the, the ticker tape and was so relieved just because it was like the, he just I mean, it, he's losing his mind. And sure. I the only thing I can say is that I, I I'm sure there are a lot of reasons for this that are one thing or another. But I don't see personally like how their their flaw has been exposed or how the league has figured them out in some way. I think they had a bunch of guys who were really hot at the same time and they were 91 and 36. And then a bunch of those guys went really cold. Cody Bellinger wasn't going to hit that way forever. Neither was Justin Turner. Uh, you know, every, they, they just went a little bit cold at the wrong time and they lost a bunch of close games. You know, there's a bunch of one, two, three run losses in there. They weren't like losing 23 to nothing every game. So I think it's weird. I think it's a fluke. I don't. I think that if you were a mathematician about this, you would say I have more confidence in the team through its first 130 games that right. was you know right. 55 games over 500 than I do in like a team that hit a rough patch for two weeks or three weeks. So I I feel like they're gonna be okay. They still have one of the best pitching staffs and one of the best relief cores in the league they still have a bunch of guys who can mash they hit a bunch of home runs like they're a good fielding team they have a good outfield defense like i feel like they are gonna be fine when they get to the postseason that doesn't mean they'll win it it means that they they still should be favored in their in their first round wild card matchup 
and I think they'll be okay. I think they're going to go deep into the postseason. I can't imagine they don't get to the NLCS. No, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. I, I think that, yeah, sure, you panic. You have to. I mean, you, 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 you don't play that bad of baseball without creating some kind of panic. But let's take a breath and realize as horrendous as they've been, they they're winning the division by ten games. They yeah. got home field advantage by like five games. I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, it's. I'm not saying that that this was a huge part of it, but when when everything's going your way and you're so far ahead and there's nothing to play for, nothing to play for. I'm not saying you want to go ahead and lose that many games in a row, but you know you manage the game differently, you play the game differently. Everybody's kind of in a different mindset in a different zone and and. You know, they're, you're just not you're just not that hungry anymore. I just don't think. I mean, you know, you're already looking ahead to the playoffs. How can you not be at least to some degree? And then your point about them being, you know, about them being a little bit lucky. They were a little bit lucky on a lot of levels, including on the you know runs scored and runs uh, against level. I mean, they 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 were not that good. They're certainly not this bad. I think you look at the middle, and that's where they are. I mean, look, a 93-52 and 52 team that's probably going to win 100 games, uh, even with all this other stuff going on, that's who they are. I mean, I think they're, yeah. a, they're a great team, uh, and I still pick them to win the, the, the National League. I mean, I, I, nothing I've seen the last couple of weeks has changed, other than I will say the one thing that would concern me a little bit is um, that number two starter situation. Um, obviously they got Darvish and that's, that's a big deal, but you know, Alex Wood has not been good, just not been good. And that was yeah. a guy that I think they were, I mean, first half of the year, he was about as good as anybody. And, and, uh, um, you know, so I think that you could have a couple of pitching issues here and there, but, uh, I still think they're, I still think they're great. Uh, let's go over our funnest player, uh, bracket. Uh, we are down to our final four in the funnest player draft and those, uh, Polls will be up shortly uh, over at MLB.com and also on my Twitter at Jay Posnanski. Um, so here's here's how it went. Here's how it went. So we're down in the Michael Shore bracket. <laughs> we have a, we have a, a, an upset, a big upset, I think, in the Michael Shore mm. bracket. So number uh, your number one seed was Jose Altuve. Right. Uh, it's a fantastic number one seed. Uh, he lost. He lost in the round of eight to Bartolo Colon. Uh, 52 to 48 uh, percentage. Uh, I very disappointing. Very very disappointing. I, I get it. Like I understand. I understand. I I think it's wrong. I, I, I think like it's wrong. Bartolo is like the flashy choice, right? He's like, <laughs> I get why he's fun, but like I feel like his fun, the way in which he's fun, we've we know it already. It's a known quantity. We've right. talked about it a lot. I feel like the true winner of this should have been Altuve. And it's it's a, it's also a little East Coast bias, I think, is getting in there. People haven't seen Altuve play. If you've really watched Jose Altuve play, he is a he is a more fun player than Bartolo Colon. I at think this so point. too, but you know what? The people have spoken. I mean, yeah, what, look, what it's a do? democracy. You know democracy, what I mean? Democracy is how we do it. Uh, he will face the number two seed who made it through the bracket, and that's uh, Javi Baez, who uh, beat Bryce Harper 55 45. So, Colon Baez, quick prediction. That's fair. Um, Bartolo, uh, the fact that Bartolo knocked off Altuve meant nobody's stopping Bartolo. I, at this point, Bartolo is the favorite to win it all, I think. Wow. I, Don't you think? Just, I, he's going to be, he's definitely going to be Baez, I think. And think then, what, yeah, if he get, and if he gets to the final, nobody's stopping him. 
I think I think that the Cubs Baez uh, fanhood might uh, might be enough. We'll see. That's that's going to be an interesting one. All right. In my bracket, uh, the number one seed lost as well. The number one seed was Giancarlo Stanton, who was swamped, swamped by Francisco Lindor. Um, which you know, I mean, I I can't argue that Giancarlo Stanton is necessarily more fun than Francisco Lindor. I think they're both incredibly fun people, players, and and uh, I love Lindor. So I'm happy with that. Um, but I was surprised. I, I will admit, being a little bit surprised. That's a little a, surprising. Yeah. A little bit surprising. Uh, my number two seed did get through as well, who is Adrian Beltre, who I think is going to win it all. So I think it's going to come down to Beltre and Lindor. Uh, well, I know it is. And, uh, and, and Cologne and Baez. So those are going to be your two matchups to get us to our, our championship game. Very exciting final four. Hoping to get Jim Nance involved somehow. <laughs> Jim Nance should present his tie to the winner of the funnest. Oh, the funnest, uh, exactly. And, but but not explain why. He should just like run up to the guy after a game and throw his tie to him, and then just run away. And it'd be very yeah. Away. Have someone someone film it like on an iPhone video, like from like a, from behind a parked car. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. I'll, I'll see if I can get uh, Jim on board. Great. All right. Well, we are about to go on to our, uh, you know, what I think is is our fa- our uh, favorite segment, uh, our reader, our listener favorite segment. Uh, before we do that, I think you have something to read to the people, Michael. You know, I I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to speak from the heart. Okay. It's this is going to be. This isn't like planned out. No one wrote this for me. Right. This is just totally off the cuff. This is just my thoughts on on something I've been thinking about a lot. I want to take a moment to tell you about the cut forecast, Joe. Okay. The Cut Forecast is the podcast from the staff of MLB.com's Cut 4 section, which focuses on the lighter side of baseball. If you've made it this far into our podcast, we really think you'll enjoy it. It'll make you laugh, and you might even learn something about baseball dogs or ballpark food. Last week's episode made sense of Justin Verlander in an Astros uniform and then debated how the nine U.S. Supreme Court justices would line up on a baseball diamond. If that sounds like something you're into, search Cut Forecast. That's C-U-T number four c-a-s-t in apple podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts and click subscribe anyway now on with the show I, it's so interesting i you know i've been thinking similar thoughts have you i mean it's just again like that's just off the top of my head it's just something i've been thinking about i wanted to share it with our listeners and you Absolutely. know look, take it or leave it it's a, just a it's just that was something that was sort of rattling around my brain totally naturally and not at all <laughs> in a composed manner and so I just, you know, I thought I'd put it out there. It, it, it was it was strong. TJ gives it a 75 on the 80. Ooh, uh, 2080 on the 2080 uh, baseball player rating scale. Interesting. It's 75. I mean, that's like, that's Aaron Judge power, you would say. That right? would be Aaron He's, Judge power. That would be Yasiel Puig's arm. That's Billy Hamilton's speed. That's, Billy yeah, Hamilton's that's, uh, yeah, that's that's basically the highest you can do. It's about as high as you can go. That makes you a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, you know, by the way, by the way, uh, we, we do have to go on to our, our uh, listeners' favorite segment. Uh, but before we do, I want to take one minute, and I mean literally one minute, uh, to talk about the Cleveland Browns. because Oh, yeah, 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 great. You are a Browns. Well, first of all, we also have music for that, which we will play oh, right now. Now, okay, so earlier we said that the piece of music that had been composed for us about the Tommy Pham update was the single greatest piece of music that yes. has ever been composed inside the nation of America. I was wrong. It's the second greatest because this is actually the greatest. By the same man. Here we go. (laughs) That's right. Here we go. The Cleveland Browns segment theme song. Go for it. Let's check in on the Cleveland Browns. 
that's that's as good as it gets. I that don't is know. At- Here's the thing. It it's moving is what it is. It's, you know what I mean? Really it's like does. you it's you it's it has that quality about it where it makes you consider yourself and your place in our nation's history and it it makes you reevaluate society in certain ways. It it's it's a deep internal it hits you like at a gut level. No, you're right. You're right. It's like seeing all of Hamilton but in a very very short period of time. Like That's right. Like, in in reduced, 8 seconds. <laughs> Hamilton is what that is. Yeah, um, I, I'm just going to say it. You know, and as, as a new Browns fan, I think you'll agree with me. Positive week for the Cleveland Browns. Lot of lot of optimism. Lot, lot of, of reasons optimism. for optimism. Yes, yes, I agree. I I have to say uh, because I don't have the football package anymore, so I can't actually watch the games. But I followed the game online. Uh, and, uh, I'm also, uh, whatever. I'm sort of boy. I'm not boycotting the NFL, but I just, I'm not really watching the NFL yeah, we're, a lot we're this year. We're going to talk about that next week. That's uh, sure. going to discuss our, our football, uh, our football fandom. Yeah. But I did follow the game and I got to say, I was proud of the boys. I call them the boys now. Cause they're my, they're my team. I was proud of the boys. They hung in there. They, you know, there is the craziest statistic in sports that I've seen recently is that Ben Roethlisberger is the winningest quarterback at their stadium. Have you heard that? I have heard the, that. Yes, yeah. I heard that. I, heard that. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like humiliating and awful and everything. But like, it's obviously a tough, a tough opponent, an opponent that has beaten the stuffing out of them for uh, for years and years and years. And they hung tight. They they scored a touchdown late. They converted a two point try they uh, they were within a i mean they were within striking distance yes, yeah absolutely. i mean they they uh, it, you got to be happy if you if you're a browns fan like so many things went better in this game than have gone than went in any game last year certainly and also you're missing your number one draft choice you're missing miles garrett which means your team has every reason to believe it is better it is a better defense than the one that they showed and except for uh, you know Antonio Brown, they gave up something like 102 total yards to people other than other Antonio, than Antonio Brown, Brown, which you know, yeah. that guy is impossible to cover. It's just humanly yeah. impossible to cover. I I totally agree with you. I I you know first of all it was it was exciting to see the Browns uh, have a quarterback uh, in Deshaun Kaiser who is promising and hopeful and exciting. That's not happened uh, ever really uh, for this Browns team. <laughs> And uh, so that was exciting. And, you know, the Steelers, uh, they, they, that's, a, that's a terrible matchup for them always. Um, but they hung in there defensively. I thought they played really, really well. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, we were going to do a, a, uh, a reading of the Browns' first series uh, because the, and the, the Browns got the ball to, uh, to, after the kickoff. Uh, and then they had a busted play, a uh, running play that lost four or five or six yards uh, then the draw play, which is the I'm not even going to have my quarterback throw the ball draw play. Mm-hmm. And then they had a block punt that was uh, landed off for a touchdown by the Steelers. So it, it could not have possibly gone worse. And then, I mean, I just say it, the Browns outplayed the Steelers the rest of the way. I mean, it was yeah. really bizarre. Outscored them and outplayed them, yeah. I thought they did. I mean, you know, and I, that Steelers team is is obviously they 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 knew they were playing the Browns. I don't think they, they had their, you know, number one uh, – uh, you know, game face on or whatever it is, but very exciting. And uh, we'll keep one thing to one thing to add to this, which uh, I think is a good, like early note for my budding Browns fandom is sure. I was following the game on whatever the game cast, whatever you call it, I guess it is maybe game cast on ESPN's uh, website. And, you know, what happens is, you know, you see a little, you see a graphic of the field and there's these little arrows. And when there's a play, you know, you see a little, 
a little sort of, if there's a pass, you see a little arc right. of where the pass started, where it ended, and then it'll say, you know, uh, Deshaun Kaiser throws, uh, you know, short over the middle to so-and-so for six yards or whatever. Right. And for a while, something happened uh, when I was watching the game with the app where they, I, and I think it's a, it's a, it was a quirk where, like, the, they, they basically they threw deep. Uh, the Browns threw deep and and gained like 37 yards and flipped the from their side of the field to the Steelers side of the field. Yes. But for whatever reason, the app or the person entering the information didn't account for the fact that they were now on the Steelers side of the field. So the Browns were like on the 37 of Pittsburgh and then they like had got like a 13 yard pass and went to the 24. But what happened, what the app was showing happened is that they were starting on their 37 and then ended up on their 24. <laughs> so it said, like, Deshaun Kaiser passes short over the middle for a loss of 13 yards back to the 24. And I was thinking, what the hell? How did that happen? How did, was it a bubble screen that where the guy turned around and tried to double back? And, got, and then the next play was, like, you know, Deshaun Kaiser hands off to so-and-so who runs negative eight yards to the Cleveland 11. And I was like, oh, no, what's happening? Like, they're, they're just, like, going backwards. And at one point, you know, it, it was said that the, it was, like, third and 39 from the from the Browns' own seven-yard line. And then I finally I was like, okay, there's obviously the – but, the you know, I, I figured out what had happened, and then, you know, the, it corrected itself. But the, the, the situation was such that – I thought he was plausible. Like I thought (laughs) for the the Browns. Yeah. For the watching a Browns game. I was like, yeah, okay. I guess they're just having a really bad offensive series and they've lost, you know, 45 yards on three consecutive plays. I think that's like the Browns programming, right? I mean, that's like, they literally like, no, they don't ever gain yards. Right. Right. When it registered as a 40 yard pass, they're like, well, I can't be right. That's (laughs) (laughs) must be, they must have actually lost four yards. And that's what, yeah, accounts for the the line of, line of, I love, that it, I love that it only took you three plays. I think for most Browns fans, it would take much longer than that. To, <laughs> you know, and they'd be screaming like, third and 37, what is this? You know. All right. <laughs> Our listeners' favorite part of this podcast, unquestionably, is the time where you get to ask us questions. I know they love this, right? They love this. Uh, who, I have no idea. No, I, I, I wouldn't they claim that. This. No, I don't think they do love this at all. But I'm going to. I mean, I, I don't know that they don't love it. I just know that we have no way of knowing one way or the other. <laughs> and, and really, what are we going to do if they do or don't? I mean, it's not going to. Right. It's not gonna, we're doing this segment, whether you like it or not. So we can claim. I Maybe like claiming that you love it makes it. Maybe you'll believe it, right? It's like That's the big I'm lie. Hoping. That's what I'm willing to <laughs> just lie. To do lie with authority and people will begin to believe that you're telling the truth. (laughs) Mike wants to know if this is specific to me, so I will answer this question. Joe, as a non-watcher, what was your opinion of last season's Game of Thrones? Uh, I Mm. didn't watch Game of Thrones. They want to know my opinion of it. I I thought too many many dragons. That's what I thought. I really did. Mm. I thought too many dragons. And also, uh, they, they killed a lot of people that they shouldn't have killed. That's it. That's I, that's all I got. That's, you, you, it's a totally valid opinion. <laughs> counterpoint. You watch, you watch counterpoint, I would say not enough dragons, not enough people died. That's what I would say. <laughs> well, we can argue about that. but Both valid, valid stances. Both valid stances on the thing. For you, this is specific to you, Michael. The Raw Librarian wants to know, forget five years. Is Aaron Judge the poor man's Reese Hoskins right now? Ooh, I like that question a lot. Michael, because uh, it disparages Aaron Judge. <laughs> Michael uh, said that uh, he called. He said that, that uh, 
Reese Hoskins called him the poor man's Aaron Judge. Oh, no, it said that Aaron Judge would become the poor man's Reese Hoskins in five years. That's right. Now Reese Hoskins has 17 home runs. So TJ, our, our producer, is a, uh, a big Phillies fan. Uh, 17 home runs in 33 games. All right. Who would you rather have, Reese Hoskins Can, or Aaron Judge? I, uh, uh, I think I'd rather have Hoskins because I believe Hoskins is younger, right? I mean, the, the weird thing about Aaron Judge is he's about to turn 25. Uh, he's old by, by like rookie standards. Is he 25 now? He might be 25 now. Um, and I believe Hoskins is younger. I'm not a hundred percent sure. He, might be 26. Uh, I don't. he was closing in. He Hoskins is 24 says TJ. No, no, so I, I meant uh, a judge. Yeah. Um, right. See, so might be, I, I don't think he's 26 cause I believe Mike Trout who just turned 26 is older than he is. Um, in any case, I think I'd rather have Hoskins. I don't know. I think judge what was proven about judge halfway through the year is that he has holes in his swing that were exploitable by excellent major league pitchers. His second half, he's had like a, whatever, since the all-star break, he has like a 700 OPS or something. Uh, it's a little higher now, I guess, but, um, you know, the, the, the larger question, uh, is how is it that we keep having these guys time after time after time in the next two years who come up and set an all-time record for the most home runs in the shortest amount of time? It has happened so many times. Remember Gary Sanchez came up and it was like, no one ever got to eight home runs in fewer at-bats. No one ever got to 12 home runs in fewer at-bats. And then, uh, so he did it, and then Judge did it, and then Hoskins has done it, and there's all these guys who they keep coming up and breaking these very old records, or, or fairly old records, for, you know, fastest guys to, to whatever number of home runs. It's a it's really weird, isn't it? It feels well, it like... Weird. It is weird. I will say, uh, players are hitting more home runs than ever, right. ever, ever before. And it's, and it's spread out. It's not like during the 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 whatever you want to call the 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 sea league era it's not like that it's not it's not concentrated in like five guys hitting 50 home runs or whatever it's everybody i mean there we're the, the major league baseball players in general are hitting more home runs than they hit in 1998 and 2000 2001 all of those crazy home run years but other than other than um uh at this point giancarlo stanton nobody's going to end up with a crazy home run number right because isn't Aaron Judge like still leading the American League with 39 so I mean nobody's he's at 41 I think Uh, he yeah he's just over 40 but yeah it's right except for Stanton no one's Stanton's got the lead league wide by a wide margin it's just there's a ton of guys everyone on the uh on the Rays has has like 33 home runs (laughs) (laughs) and you've never heard of any of them um, but yeah, like they all like there's a ton of guys in the like 25 exactly. to to 38 range. None of them are on the Red Sox. <laughs> I should point out to literally none of them. But like there's there's just a lot of guys league wide who are in the upper 20s or lower 30s. Mark wants to know if Mike could go back in time and work on any pre 1980 sitcom. What would it be? Pre-1980. Yeah, how about that? Uh, I like it. Well, Mary Tyler Moore was a big there one for sure. me. It's, it was a huge inspiration for Parks and Rec. Yes. Um, I would also say the Dick Van Dyke show was an early inspiration Love it. for me. When I was like homesick from school, I remember watching the Dick Van Dyke show very skeptically home from school because it was in black and white. That's and right. I, That's when right. you're a kid, you're like, well, this can't be funny. It's in black and white. <laughs> Um, and, and laughing really hard and thinking it was great. And, uh, yeah, those are probably the two Mary Tyler Moore 
and Dick Van Dyke. Um, those are probably my two faves from that, from pre-1980, I would How say. How about Rosemary uh, becoming like a Twitter star? From I know. It's fantastic. It. I love it. It's, it's great. I would also say Taxi would be in the mix, too. Taxi's uh, great. Taxi, Taxi was a wonderful show. Are you a MASH guy? I mean, is MASH, like, there or not so much? I was never a huge MASH guy. I watched it a little when I was a kid. I remember the finale, as everybody does, because it was, it was the, it's the only, like, Super Bowl-rated show right. that isn't the Super Bowl um, to this day. I, I, Hawkeye Pierce was a, was a gr- they were wonderful characters on yes. that show. Yes. We talked a lot when we were, when my friend Dan Gorn and I were, were directing or uh, developing Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we talked a lot about Andy Samberg's characters being like a sort of Hawkeye Pierce okay. figure. Hawkeye, Hawkeye was a sort of inspiration, which, which is to say he was a guy who had a tough job and was sort of a goofball, but the goofballness didn't stop him from being good at his job. So we described Andy, uh, Andy's character, Jake Peralta, as a sort of Hawkeye Pierce figure. So, yeah, that, that show was obviously wonderful and, and had wonderful moments and wonderful characters. But it wasn't my, like, it didn't, like, get me down deep. That was like a big, I mean, that you know, that was a monster. That was the monster show. But you mentioned Taxi is kind of an underrated show. I'm going to throw out one other underrated show and just see if you agree. And if you don't, you know, feel free to insult me. I know um, what you're going to say. I, give, I bet I know what you're going to say. You think you know? You think you know what I'm going to say? I know, yeah. Are you going to say WKRP? No, although I do oh. like WKRP, very good. I WKRP like- is a it was a was a a like top three show for me for oh, a lot great. of my youth. I, I it, it's super underrated. The and there's the episodes like the the classic episodes that everybody's seen are classic for a reason. The episode, the Thanksgiving episode, yes. if you've never seen it, <laughs> with the turkey drop is the best. It's so funny. There is a lot of really great, there were wonderful characters, great stories. Like the five best, I would put the five best WKRP episodes up against it's, it's, like the five best episodes of like most shows. And I, I think like WKRP that. would be. I like yeah. that. I, and you know what? WKRP is right up there. But the one I was going to say is even more underrated. You never hear anybody talk about it. Barney Miller. You think Barney Miller was funny? Oh, oh of course. Yeah, Barney Miller was great. Barney Miller was explicitly the inspiration for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, obviously. Like we talked about like, that that a lot of the vibe. If you if you ask, there's been all these surveys where real police officers, real detectives are asked, "What is the most realistic cop show of all time?" And they overwhelmingly say Barney Miller. <laughs> uh, they don't say you know NYPD Blue or The Wire or whatever the gritty these gritty you know cop dramas. They say Barney Miller, and the reason that they give is most of the job of being a police officer, like most of the job of being anything, is sitting around your office and like talking to your friends and and being bored. And that's what Barney Miller captured so perfectly is like this is it's a it's a weird job, it's a hard job, it's a dangerous job, but there's also a lot of like just off boring office politics, you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah. So yeah, they were, they, that's well, a, that's a classic. Oh, Great I show. It. I love that show. All right. Charles wants to know what's the best grocery store aisle. <sighs> yeah. That's a tough one. That's a tough I one. I mean, temptation is to say, um, temptation is to say the frozen aisle. Cause that's where you would get the ice cream. Right. 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 Um, and it's where you would get like, your like your your parents would get you like frozen vegetables and stuff like that, and you would you would pull, you would be like you would be nice because you would know that just a little further down the aisle you'd be like yes yeah, so those frozen peas and those it looks good yeah yeah um, also hey look at this over here this is interesting Klondike bars Klondike bars <laughs> ice cream there's ice cream yeah. over here yeah but I'm gonna say uh, I actually believe and I've seen this now play out with my kids I think the best aisle might be the cereal aisle oh yeah. Because yeah. the 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 number of the varieties of cereal and the colors of the boxes and the sort of promise 
of how many different types of that thing there are. That to me, when I was a kid, that was the like, that was the home run aisle. Even though my parents never let me eat any like sugary cereal, I would never allowed to have any like Lucky Charms or anything. But that aisle was so colorful and fun and exciting. I would, I think it's the cereal aisle. What do you think? Well, I love the cereal aisle idea for that. I think, I think it is the one. Even now, when I go down the cereal aisle, which of course now I never, I mean, I do get something for the kids, but I never really get a whole lot down the cereal aisle. I do get those feelings of when I was a kid, because I was allowed to get the sugary cereals, which was fantastic. And it was funny because it's like, I had very specific, like, no, I don't want Cocoa Krispies. I want Cocoa Pebbles. Um, <laughs> like, they're <laughs> totally different. But you know what's weird? As I've gotten old, and this probably speaks to me getting old, I like the fruit aisle. I mean, I, it's not really even an aisle. It's, it's like, not an really, aisle, though. Like I, did, I wasn't even considering that as being part of the selection. Of, uh, well, if, if it's not, I, I don't know what Charles is, uh, you know, particular. I just assume, you know, it's, it's a, there's like, a, at our place, like it's a corner. I mean, there's like an aisle situation going there. Yeah, if you're going specific aisles, I'll go with the frozen. I think that the frozen is still uh, is still good and, and, uh, and the ice cream. But, you know, great, great question, Charles. Um Ron wants no wait. Randon, Rendon, Rendon. I don't know what your name is. Anthony Rendon. Yeah, the third third baseman for the Nationals. Rendon Martin. Which (laughs) way do you guys put the toilet paper on the roll with the end hanging from the back or the front? Rendon, I I don't know what's wrong with you. There's that's not it's not a question. You you always 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 without exception put the put the end on the front you never put it on the back if it's on the back it's on wrong and must be replaced and turned around and put on the front i have a very very controversial (laughs) answer to this like famous sort of litmus test question yeah you want to hear it yep i literally couldn't care less (laughs) this is one of those questions where people are fall vehemently as you just did into one one of the two possible categories And people defend their choice as the only possible right choice. I am a person, it should be noted, as you might know about me, who tends to have very strong opinions of very stupid and meaningless things, like peanut butter and jelly sandwich making, etc. In this case, I don't care. I have yet to find the advantage either way. I think I've thought about it. I thought about which I liked better, and I, I... came to the uh, uh, inevitable conclusion that it couldn't matter less. Okay, and that so I if you care. are replacing the toilet paper at your house, which I hope you do as a good husband, mm-hmm. um, you'll literally, whatever way it pops up, that's how you whichever do it. Whichever way it pops up, no, yeah, whichever way. You know what it is, though? It's like you're a baseball switch hitter. Like, you can handle both there you ways. Go. You can I like both. that take. That's a great take. I'm a switch hitter. Yeah, I can go. It's not that I don't care. It's that I, I can care just, equally much say, about both about you, both versions. You can roll the, the, the thing either way. It's I mean, that which I respect. Yeah. Uh, no, it has to be in the front. I'm, you're just wrong. Mark wants to know, and I'm using this as an excuse to get you to do what you're supposed to do every show. What baseball player has the most NBC The Good Place points? Ooh. It's a good question, but you you know uh, why I asked you that question. So you could tell people. So I can tell people that the hour-long season two premiere of The Good Place uh, premieres uh, September 20th at 10 after the America's Got Talent oh, finale, and then it goes through its regular time slot, which is Thursday at 8.30 the following week for episode three. Please um, watch the first season, people. You must watch the first season in order to understand what the heck is going on <laughs> in season two. Uh, season one, uh, yeah. Um, which baseball player? Well, that's a good question. I mean, all time, it's pretty obviously uh, Jackie Robinson, I would say. Yeah. Um, 
I can't imagine anyone would beat Jackie all time, right? I think Is so. I missing anybody? Well, I mean, I don't know. It depends if you're going to count people in the Negro Leagues or, you know, some of the other, you know, I mean, right. Buck O'Neill. Sure. Buck O'Neill, Buck O'Neill sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you might say like you might even you might say like if it's executives too, I, you might get you might get Branch Rickey in there, sure, but who sure. but who knows? I don't know enough about him. Um, I think currently it's going to be one of your it's going to be someone who provides a lot of joy for people and has no skeletons that we know of in his closet. So it's going to be one of your and it and there's also the sort of man of the year type guys. Curtis Granderson is a yes. guy that everybody I was thrilled that Curtis Granderson went to the Dodgers because now I get to kind of root for him with my jerk son who betrayed me. <laughs> Um, cause he's a guy that everyone universally is love like, him. that guy's the him. best teammate, wonderful guy, like wins all these humanitarian awards, all that stuff. I would say like, you know, it's going to be one of those guys right now, like JJ Watt in, in, oh. if you open it up to athletics, like raising $30 million for flood victims, it's going to be one of those guys who just has this kind of like, um, you know, essentially, at least that we know of a clean record in terms of like all of the trouble that you can run into as a as a athlete and as a wealthy person in America and who then goes above and beyond and, do, and does a lot of like, you know, outreach stuff and, and humanitarian work and stuff like that. So probably right now, let's go with and an active roster. Uh, let's go with Curtis Granderson. And I would say if you're including all of baseball, not just players, it's obviously Theo Epstein. Right. I mean, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yes. Because of what he has done, the, the way that his joy, that his actions have brought joy to millions and millions and millions of people. Like, yeah. And for that matter, like Dave Roberts is probably up yeah, there pretty there far. Right. Go. Like Absolutely. <laughs> manager, manager of the Dodgers in a year that's given a lot of pleasure to L.A. And uh, Dodger fans, and then also that stolen base for the Red Sox. Like, he's got to be up there. No, Theo, in all of baseball, it's probably Theo. Yeah. yeah. I, think so. I think so. That's a great, great call. Question. Great question. Richard wants to know, from the movie uh, Princess Bride, did Buttercup throw herself down the hill or merely trip running after Wesley? Which is... Just a great question. It's a wonderful question. It's a thing that when if you watch that movie over and over and over and over again, As we all it do. is a huge. It's a it's a gigantic, weird like flaw it in is. the movie. It is because what happens is so she throws him down the hill. He gets distracted. She throws him down the hill. As he's rolling down the hill, he says, as you wish. She realizes it's Wesley. She says, oh, my sweet Wesley, what have I done? And then it cuts weird, really awkwardly. It cuts to looking back up the hill as her stunt double, <laughs> as, as Robin Wright Penn's or Robin Wright's stunt double is herself rolling down the hill. I what I always assumed happened was she started to run after him and just went down, and yeah. and she then rolled down. That she didn't fling herself down. I feel like she she would have tried to remain upright and go and to go down the hill. But then the hill is very steep, which by the way, it isn't even that steep really. Uh, but she, she, she went to run and then tripped on her long dress or something. And then, and then rolled down the hill. Is that your read on it? Yes. The 100%. You, she actually has like a little, like a little, Ooh, like she fell, like clearly she fell. So, so I don't believe there was any, there's no way. And look, and this guy apparently is having an, an argument with his wife, and I don't want to get him in trouble. I don't know which side he's on or whatever. He, she didn't fling herself down the hill. No way. No I don't way. see why you would. But That's the thing. I can't, I can't find the, the argument for why she would what? have intentionally <laughs> flung herself in a rolling fashion down the hill. But then she did do that very acrobatic roll thing at the end 
of the of the when she gets toward the bottom of the hill, she like does somersaults over and over again. So you, you mean you mean her stunt double does somersaults? <laughs> I, I I've always but, thought Robin uh, Wright is uh, very. Athletic. She did her own stunts in that She's movie. Very yeah. Sean? You know what's very funny in that movie uh, is when they're in the uh, the the uh, the fire swamp. Sure. Um, and uh, she's walking along. She and she takes a step, and there's like the fire pit that ex- the fire pot or whatever that explodes. If you and then her dress catches on fire, yes. and if you if you look at where she's standing, she's probably eight or ten feet away from where, from where the fire explodes and her dress just catches on fire and it's it's one of those things where like you could get away with that in 1987 or whatever it was because nobody like had a high definition tv screen and then you know it just flew by you but yeah she's really far away from that uh from that fire explosion by the way i love always have loved the way he put that fire out he kind of just like flipped her dress around a little bit and then the fire was out i always thought that he sort of folds up her dress <laughs> yeah and he sort of like just flaps at it and she's very calm and very dashing and yeah i love that movie so much sean asked the question that we've actually answered but i love the way he phrased this so i will ask it uh for sean assuming the indian streak is still ongoing when this podcast airs how bad are the Dodgers right now? So I like the way he asks that question. Uh, <laughs> they're bad, Sean. They're really, really bad. Uh, let's see here. Um, <laughs> Russ wants to know you can live one year in any city in the world any year. Which do you choose? Oh, wow. What a question. It's amazing. Any city, any year. Like any city alone is like crazy. I mean, you got. I mean, it would take it would take an hour to really to work that out, don't you think? I don't, how how in the world are you supposed to answer that? I mean, uh, would you go like? I mean, I don't know. Would you go back to ancient Rome? Like, would that actually your your ancient Greece? And I don't think so. Because or? look, you're. I mean, maybe, but like the realities of living in ancient cities are were miserable, terrible. right? There's no running water. There's. No, I think you 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 gotta you gotta assume that in order to have a like a fun experience right, you need right. certain modern amenities you don't want to go to ancient rome for a year and live without air conditioning and running water right like the, it was probably disgusting the realities of living in ancient cities was probably pretty gross <laughs> what about- i think what i think you're talking about like going to paris right, during him you know when Hemingway. yeah, yeah when or like when picasso was around right, right, right or, right. or um yeah or you want to go to london when um you know when shakespeare maybe the the only the only ancient thing i would do is i would go to i might go to london when like shakespeare was writing plays or something but even then like yeah, you really, that would be that's really bad water. that's pretty miserable <laughs> that's really <laughs> bad yeah plus you would find out all sorts of things you probably don't want to know i mean just like yeah i don't know you know i mean it's uh i'm gonna open i think LA. you know what i think LA, i would do would LA be fun like in the old hollywood days would that be fun yeah, maybe. Although it was like crime ridden, it was run by the mob. I mean, I I think here's what I do. I'm going to go to Scottsdale, Arizona, in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be awesome. That's, that's a, I think that's your answer. I, Just go to Scottsdale. You know, you can play some golf. It's like it's you know Reagan is president. Everybody's happy in America. I, there's no you know I, there's no ISIS to worry about. You know, there's a little, like, Russia's crumbling. Like, Russia's a threat, but, like, they're crumbling. You know we win the Cold War. I feel like that's what you do. You go to Scottsdale in 1983. I'm going to Dallas in 2001. No, There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. David wants to know. No. Uh, 
I'm, I lost. Oh, here we go. Ross. Ross wants to know what's the highest number you've ever counted to straight, starting at one. I'm going to say I probably counted when I was a kid. I probably counted to 792 <laughs> because that's the number of cards in a Topps baseball card set. Oh, yeah. I'm, there you go. I'll bet, it, I'll bet at some point I counted out loud. 790 to make sure that I had every card in the set. That's my guess. I like that. I would not have thought of the baseball card thing. That's that's just too good an answer. I there's there's I I can't top that because I was thinking <laughs> something along the lines of maybe not that I tend to do this, but I mean maybe if you're counting, you know, to go to sleep, like counting sheep or whatever. I don't count sheep, but if you're just counting to try to go to sleep, you know, maybe you get up into the hundreds somewhere. But I think that's right. I probably have not. Other than baseball cards, I don't think I've ever counted that much stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. That's actually really, really good. All right. All right. Colin wants to know, what do you actually have for breakfast in the morning versus what do you really want to have breakfast in the morning? I want to have the same thing for breakfast every morning. Which the is? same exact thing, which is two scrambled eggs, uh, buttered toast, bacon, uh, orange juice, and coffee. If I could have that in in my uh, good place, in my actual uh, afterlife heaven, that's what I have for breakfast every single morning. There's a couple problems with it. Number one, if you eat that for breakfast every morning, you'll die when you're 53. Exactly. Number two, I'm a vegetarian now, unfortunately, so the bacon is out. Um, And, uh, well, those are the two main problems. So what I have for breakfast is I make myself a uh, smoothie. I used to have, when I'm lazy, I have cereal because my son has cereal every day. So I have... uh, I make myself, I have, I just have cereal. That's when I'm lazy. But when I'm not lazy, I make myself a smoothie. I have, it's like a bunch of fruit, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, whatever's around, an apple, a banana, whatever's around. And then I take a bunch of uh, spinach and throw it in there. And then a couple, and then some cashews and some kind of like stuff like that. And I blend it all up and I drink it and it's delicious and I really love it. And it's like the best possible fruit smoothie, best possible substitute because uh, it at least is sweet and it tastes good. That's what I do. Well, that's spinach. Yeah, it, it it disappears. You know, the spinach. Like if you have a banana and an apple and and like blueberries and and strawberries, you don't taste the spinach, but you get the benefit of having eaten spinach in the morning. Okay, I'm, it's worth it. I'm serious. You get you can you I'll can make it. spinach disappear into a smoothie pretty I'll, easily. I'll, I'll give it a try and 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 get back to you on that. Um, interesting. My my uh ideal breakfast would either be what you just said, you know, maybe with a bagel on the side. Um, or I, I really, really like French, uh, French toast. I, I would love sure. French toast. I, I eat like, you know, when I don't skip breakfast, which I shouldn't do, I understand. Uh, I'm kind of like an egg whites and, you know, and, and just juice and what, you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> something, something healthy ish, you know, kind of a bummer. Bre- you're talking about a bummer breakfast. Yeah. Bacon and an egg white. That's what I, yeah. Tried. Huge, a huge bummer, a huge bummer, bummer of a breakfast. Yeah. yeah. No, I would by the way, our, that. our producer TJ has now informed us that we are more than an hour in yeah. and we have, we made after last week, last week's podcast was three hours and 31 <laughs> minutes long. I it think. was embarrassing. It was, it was one of the longest, uh, ever, uh, uh, continuous talkings <laughs> ever recorded. 
And so we we're we told ourselves we were gonna we're, we're gonna stay to an hour. So we should probably wrap it up. We soon. are wrapping it up. With two more questions. Okay. Two Tom, more questions. Here we go. If Tommy Fam, Carl wants to know if Tommy Fam mixes his peanut butter with the jelly, does that affect his standing as the podcast player? Of course it does. Yeah. Well, how would it not? <laughs> we're saying if if a, if a, if a human being commits a horrible crime against humanity, are we still gonna root for him in the same manner as we've been rooting for him? No, of course not. No, we're gonna, we, we're gonna, we can only, uh, for for good reason, we're gonna castigate him and and toss him under the dustbin of history. We we can only hope. We can only hope it's not true. That's all I'm gonna say. We can only hope it's not true. Jonathan, <laughs> with our final question, how are the Yankees going to ruin everyone's playoffs? Uh, they're gonna ruin it, Jonathan, by winning the World Series. By winning That's them. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly how they're gonna ruin it. We yeah. all know it's true. We've been talking about it for the last week. Um, they just are. We know. Well, not only do are they going to win the World Series, we know how they're going to do it. We already, mm-hmm. we've already like predicted scores for how they're going to do it. Who's going to oh, be yeah. the hero? We, I mean, we've got it down. They're going to win the World Series. They're going to. Uh, they're going to win the. Uh, first of all, they might win the East. They won tonight, and the Red Sox are losing seven to three in the eighth inning. So they're going to be three games back with like eighteen to play or seventeen to play. That's a that's an easily overcomable margin oh, yeah, for the sure for the Yankees, especially. Um, but yeah, let's let's just say they get to they they are the wild they're they're the number one seed wild card team. The number two wild card team is most likely going to be who, Joe? The Minnesota Twins. That's right. The Minnesota Twins uh, have not beaten the New York Yankees in a baseball game since 1958. That's right. Don't not, don't look don't June look it up. 6th. It's just the truth. June 6, 1958. That it was the Washington Senators, of course, back then. But they have. That's the last time that in a single game contest the minnesota baseball franchise has beaten the yankees so that's a that's a given that is a that, that is a um they won't even start severino if if that is the game they won't they'll start and they'll they'll skip to the point they'll they'll start playing the game like they have a 19 run lead in the eighth and they'll start an outfielder clint <laughs> frazier will start will be the starting pitcher for the yankees because that's how obvious it is that they're going to win that game then then who do they play they probably play cleveland probably cleveland and it is exactly the kind of thing that the Yankees would do. That's what they do. They ruin, to take, they ruin things. They just ruin everything. So they're going to take this Cleveland team that's so fun, that's won you know, 25 straight in September, that roared into the playoffs. The Yankees will just slowly throttle them. They'll win like 3-2, to 1-0, to nothing, and then 4-3 to three in extra innings. And they're... Yeah, it'll be. An, and by the way, if you actually follow these Yankee games obsessively as I do, they they are like they they score like five runs on four hits. They yes. it's like the other night it was like it was like single walk catcher's interference <laughs> walk error single, and they score four runs and they win the game. It is the most in, it's the most infuriating thing in the world. But it would be so Yankees to 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 like knock off the team. That is the most fun team yes. oh, in the yeah. league. Oh, yeah. And then once they get through Cleveland, you think the Red Sox or the Astros are going to beat the no. Yankees in the play- You've got to be kidding me. No, of course not. And then they're going to go, and then there will be some weird upset where, like, the Nationals beat the, uh, you know, the, the Diamondbacks knock off the Nationals and the Dodgers lose to the Cubs, and then the Diamondbacks beat the Cubs, and then the Diamondbacks go into, they're going to go, are you kidding? They're going to go into Yankee Stadium and win game one of the World Series. The Diamondbacks? You think Paul Goldschmidt's going to save you? Forget it. This it's a done deal. The Yankees are winning the World Series in probably five games. Yeah, five games. I think that's right. Yeah, they're 
Thanks for asking that question, though, Jonathan, because we really appreciate you just bringing Look, it up. Look, you asked. You want to know how they're going to ruin everything? That's, that's how they're going to ruin it. They're going to win. We can do it inning by inning next time if you want. We know. Yeah, we can break down. <laughs> absolutely. We can break down how, like, they almost blow a ninth inning lead in the second round against the Indians we'll tell you because exactly. Ramirez, Ramirez ties up the game with a two-run homer and the crowd's going crazy. And then they put together, like, a double. Like, Clint, like Clint Frazier doubles and then, like, Todd Frazier pinch hits and like hits like an infield single and it's first and third. And then, you know, Gardner strikes out and you have a little hope. But then, you know, uh, then it's, it's going to be Chase Headley. No, it's Chase Headley. It's Chase. It's absolutely Chase Headley comes up and hits like a triple that like, you know, that is almost. Yeah, like Austin Jackson almost catches it. He dies and almost catches it, but he doesn't. It bounces past him. And it's a, a Chase Headley two run triple in the 10th yeah. that wins game two. And then and then the series is over. Yeah, we can, we can do this for you. We can do this whole thing. All right. Time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. <laughs> It's so raw. I don't understand why it's still so raw in me, this feeling, this hatred, this, like, anxiety. It's so raw. It's not going away. I just, it's not. This team is going to just drive us insane for years to come. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, nor Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast won't. It's one last one. All right, one last meaningless thing, then this meaningless thing. Michael, your one last meaningless thing. I recently changed all of my uh, passwords oh. for all of my internet uh, sites. Nice. Um, Yes, it was a thing I'd been meaning to do for a long time. I recently did the whole thing, and and, and I and they're not easy to break my codes. It's not to, you know, um, you know, like my last name and then the birth date of my children or something. It's I I, I take this seriously, and I uh, and I did it. I, I came up with like good good like random alphanumeric code for each of them that uh, that I recorded. And uh, and then that Equifax data breach happened. Yeah, yeah sure did. Where it was like uh, the the personal data and information of seven point three billion people, one point three million people. Uh, and and I was like, well, what, what is the point of any of this? But like that, we think passwords are protecting us from oh, like no. people hacking. I mean, they have all of the base information. They don't need the passwords. They have our social security numbers. And our and our like dates of birth and everything they need to do whatever they want. It it's uh, it gets you get these reminders all the time. This is kind of a bleak one last meaningless thing, I guess. But you get these reminders all the time of like how how like how much of a mirage it is when you're like, oh, don't worry, I change my uh, my my password uh, for this you know for Amazon every three months, so I'm safe. Like, no, of course we're not. <laughs> I I have a friend who is involved somewhat, not 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 on the on the negative side, but involved somewhat in this whole Equifax thing. And I said to him, I said, you know, this is ridiculous that a company that's their only job, right, is to, I mean, their only, their, their only job is to sell our stuff. But but their only job beyond that is to keep this data safe and to have it breached. And, and the guy said to me, and you want to talk about bleak. This is about the bleakest thing I ever heard. He said, it doesn't matter. Everything's available on the, bla- on the dark web. Every single, every, every possible thing. If, if somebody wants to get information, they can get it. I Great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. 
<laughs> so that's nice and depressing thing. Um, my one last meaningless thing. Actually, I've got two. They're they're related uh, meaningless things. So I was I was thinking about this the other day as I was driving. Um, I believe that people who rubberneck on on the highway or on on roads, so they people that that stop uh, to watch what's going on in an accident that is not blocking them, uh, who are rubbernecking, um, should be punished very very severely. I, I believe there should be a very very severe punishment. For those people, I, I believe that they should be punished to the fullest extent of the law uh, for the rubberneckers who cause traffic jams that do not need to be caused. So that's my, hmm. my first thought, which is not necessarily an unusual thought. But then my second thought was, well, what do I mean by being punished? Because I don't want them to go to jail. I'm not saying they should be incarcerated or, or, or you know, or, or, or flogged or something like that, you know. So I think there should be a another rail of justice where they find out something that you like and they just take it away from you if you do if you rubber. So, <laughs> like what? Like if you're a golfer, okay, then like no six months with no golf. That's it. It's like almost like a, like a parent like taking like you're grounded. So that's it. It's like eh, you were rubbernecking. You you delayed all these people behind you by 25 minutes. No golf for the next three months. That's it. Just taken away from you. So I, I huh. think there should be like a whole like a, a like a, a whole different version of justice for like these sorts of because there are a bunch of them. I'm you, I'm sure you have your own uh, that annoy you. Uh, these little miniature crimes where people clearly uh, are very selfish and do not care about anybody behind them uh, or, or around them. They should be punished, but they should be punished in some horrible way. They should just have something that they like taken away. Uh, something tr something sort of trivial, but just like like uh, ice cream or yeah, or that's right. That's right. Yeah. No, no, it would it would never be anything severe. I mean, it should right. never be, you know, but it, but just something like oh, you know, I love I live for chocolate. Well, how about two weeks without chocolate? You know, <laughs> maybe go to the next turn and make a left rather than cutting me off to take your left. And obviously, this is a driving thing, but but I think there should be there should be this sort of. Uh, I guess that's more government in our lives, which, you know, I know how people feel about that, but uh, I don't care. Well, I, I hereby support your candidacy as <laughs> trivial punishment czar in America, where you get to decide I, what gets taken away from well, people. Well, look, we, 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 with, the, with the Equifax uh, breach, we all know everything we need to know about people, right? So, I mean, at this point, it would be like, you know, I mean, like for me, I, I, I am sadly uh, love gadgets. Uh, and so they would be like, no, two years, you can't buy a new gadget. You know, which I think would be a fair thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. It just really, all I'm really trying to say is stop rubbernecking. Stop it. Yeah. That's maybe, maybe you could skip the whole no, I complicated like the part about taking no, no, things away from people and just say, politely ask people to stop rubbernecking. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. By all the right. way, that's not a bad thing in LA at all. The rubbernecking thing. That's not, the LA is, is completely uh avoids that don't they oh yeah definitely yeah all there's no there's not really any traffic problems no traffic out, out there exactly yeah. well there you go well we cut this thing an hour 15 that's not terrible we, that's we, not bad it's still um still roughly minutes 65 minutes longer than it should be <laughs> no that's not true because with the music we've added that adds a whole nother layer of entertainment for our you're right it shouldn't it shouldn't be 10 minutes long it should be 12 and a half minutes 12 long. minutes long i think that's right yeah. i think that's fair all right, Michael, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.